Some of the material on this podcast and in the books recommended may include difficult and sometimes triggering subjects. If you or someone you know is in need of help, please visit decanterburytales.com help or visit the National Helpline database for a list of free hotlines and resources. Asking for help is one of the bravest things you can do. You are not alone. Listener discretion is advised. So we should talk about the book. Yeah, we should. Hey there, I'm Laura. And I'm Georgiana. And this is Decanterbury Tales. Woohoo! I woohoo a lot. I did notice that you woohoo just that way. Woohoo! There's in editing, I actually have started cutting them out. The very first time I edited the trailer at the very, very end, there's a pause. And then it just had a woohoo at the end. And I ended up cutting it out because someone just goes, what is that? Just just me saying woohoo. We're really excited. Okay. It's not my fault. I woohoo. I'm just jazzed. So woo to the who. I love the enthusiasm. That's what we're here for. I wanted to say woo to the who again, but I really stopped myself. <laughs> We're just stuck forever there, right there. Woo to the who. I even put it in Instagram. Oh, you I snuck did. it. You I snuck it that in Instagram. there. I snuck that in there. She has no idea. I'm a monster. You're unstoppable. I can't, and I can't stop you because I don't have access to the Instagram. <laughs> sorry, have- I'm not sorry full control of the Instagram and it is driving me a little crazy that I can't you know, get in there. I honestly may change the password and not tell you because I'm having so much fun with it. <laughs> just shut you out completely. <laughs> just a mystery password and I just That would actually be really fun to see if you could figure out what it is. Welcome to Decanterbury Tales. Welcome. We're happy to have you. We're happy to be here on this our third full-length episode and it's our first official book club episode where we talk about our books and we realize that we kind of threw you in with content about wine and talking to Barbara O'Neill O'Dead at Longboards. We gave you no blueprints. We didn't yeah <laughs> just threw you in the deep end we- so so those of you that are still here it looks like you can swim. Woohoo! Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So this is the Canterbury Tales, where we pick books and wine, one book a month, and a red and a white. Or a red and a rosé, or a white and a rosé. We're trying to do at least two wines, so that way if you can't find one, you can find the other. And we have to try different wines, because different people have different palates and things like that, so we want to share the wealth. In the wine world. Yeah, and so we do world. the work so you don't have to. Yes, it is wine and books that are accessible. We want you to want to read the books. We don't yeah, want this to be you. the book club where you're dreading the next book. You don't want to read it. We want to make sure that you guys feel that you have the time, that you can read this book. 
our joke is that you can exclusively read these books in the bathroom and you'll do it one month start at the every time we announce a book you just download it on your phone you can get the kindle app on your phone and because i have a kindle and i enjoy it but you can get the kindle app on your phone you can get these on audible if you're a listener and you would rather listen to the books we are trying to make this as accessible as possible I expose I'm, you. I'm a real book girl. I know that's not economical, but I go to the bookstore and I I buy the physical book. I, I will say for our February book, I did go buy the physical book and it was nice to have a real book for the first time in a while. It's such a pretty cover book. That's not what we're talking about right now. I'm sorry, but sorry. I did digitally read When We Believed in Mermaids and it. I have a bit of a Kindle addiction right now. I, I... do love my e-reader. I feel like I will succumb. It just is, especially if you're reading as many books as we do. It just is a really fantastic option. You can get them for so cheap on Amazon. I think you can get them for under 50 bucks. Because the one that I have is an older model. And it gets the job done. I love it. The one that I bought, I got back in 2014. And it's still doing great. So 10 out of 10 recommend if you're thinking about investing in an e-reader. I love my Kindle. It automatically downloads. I can buy the book in my Amazon app and it'll download it on my Kindle and it'll already be there when I turn it on. So super convenient. And if you have the Kindle app on your phone, it'll sync. So wherever you're reading on the Kindle, it will automatically turn to that page in the app on your phone. That's nice. So you don't have to remember. It's really nice. The day I discovered that, I was really excited. I don't anyway. use bookmarks either. I don't know why. You don't use that bookmarks? doesn't make sense. You psychopath? No. <laughs> How do you know where to start reading? I just kind of flip through and I'm like, okay, I remember that happened. I remember that happened. And I was like, okay, I think this is where I am. I end up rereading a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> It like sets me up to keep going to the next chapter. It's refresher. I did buy myself at uh, Barnes and Noble. I went and bought myself a really pretty bookmark that has a mermaid on it uh, to use for books that we read this since our first book was when we believed in mermaids. Look at you on theme. So it's really cute. So I will always have that as my little memento of starting this podcast. I gifted myself a really, really, it has a little bead and a tassel too. That's a very pretty bookmark. We can take a picture of it for you guys. Yeah. Each of our episodes will put up a blog post to go with it with some episode notes so that you guys can reference some of the interviews we talk about, random things that get brought up in conversation, like where where Titanic is streaming right now. (laughs) Important facts to know and share with your friends. Five years in the making. I remember the day that you came up with the Decanterbury Tales. I'm, I give you all the credit publicly that you thought of that epic name. We had been sitting at PJ's Coffee House. Shout out to PJ's Coffee House because it's In great. New Orleans. Yes. And we were sitting out on this back patio, drinking our coffee. Nice day. Could not think of a name. Had the general idea of what we wanted to do. We knew it, we, we wanted it to out. be a pun. And Laura walks outside, walk into the car. And she stops and smacks the ground and goes to Canterbury Tales. 
and it was beautiful. <laughs> we just froze. I remember I put my hands in the air and like like squatted, and it was like the idea came to me, and I exploded and then crumbled and shouted you the fairy tales. Did you woohoo? <laughs> I don't think I woohooed. I think we just sat there just agape at each other and I'm sure we woohooed at some point but essentially uh we are two friends that have now been friends for five years six years we're going on six we're going on six we're getting there we met in kind of an interesting way uh, Laura was teaching a dance class and I had just moved home from college and I was like yes I need to go take dance classes and I was wearing a Dobby shirt with just one eye and an ear just half of a Dobby face half of a Dobby face and well, I remember because I was teaching adult hip-hop and super fun class a funky group no one in there was professional dancers and that is why it was just such an interesting group of adults that just wanted to dance and have fun and so it was a really fantastic class I enjoyed teaching it so much and the day Georgiana joined I was so excited I was like yay another person and she came in and she turned around and I saw the half Dobby face and it was like a moment of recognition. You too. You also. And I think I said something like, don't be presented master with class. Like I was so weird about it. <laughs> I didn't even try to hide how weird I was. I dove in completely. I appreciate it. I mean, if I'm wearing a Dobby shirt, you can be pretty assured that I like Harry Potter and it's a safe space to do that. <laughs> I think you said, Dobby is free. free. <laughs> I was like, this girl is a complete stranger and I will force her to be my friend. And here we are doing a podcast. Do I want to out myself that I'm a stalker? Yeah, probably. We should just get it out of the way. <laughs> so, so now begins us, her being my student and me being the teacher. And we would talk a little bit after class and we exchanged phone numbers And I was thinking, oh, this is my chance. This is my moment. I'm going to text and we're going to be best friends. And it just kind of didn't work out. We weren't not friends. It was just her teacher. So uh, I was on my way home from class one night and I was texting her and she texted me and said, oh, I'm at, where were you? Where were we? Fat Harry's. Fat Harry's in New Orleans, and I just so happened to be passing Fat Harry's when I got the text. And instead of saying, oh, I'm driving by, could I pop in and join you for a drink? I turned full-blown stalker (laughs) and pulled over went in the back door and went in the bathroom of the bar and texted her saying, oh my gosh, no way, me too. <laughs> oh, and we it's so creepy. Night. We did, and we became friends. It's still so creepy. I'm so <laughs> grateful you did it, but... It's so creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. 
you guys just tell someone you want to be their friend <laughs> oh why we decided to do the podcast oh yeah because- we live in different cities and we, it started it was as quarantine. we were gonna do a youtube channel oh yeah we did that first because and... it was gonna be an excuse for me to come visit you in new orleans because right. we lived in different cities and then that didn't happen and we procrastinated because that's a lot of work yeah youtube's so much work so is podcasting honestly but youtube is even more work and we realized that that probably wasn't going to be for us so we kept putting a pin in it and kept putting a pin in it until halfway through quarantine when we realized for some reason that podcast exists and we could turn it into a podcast and here we are mind you we've been listening to podcasts the entire time just took a few minutes for those connected that decanterbury tales could, be, could a be a podcast so when we believed in mermaids let's by barbara dive. o'neill uh letting you guys know that this now contains spoilers starting right now so if you haven't read the book and don't want to have parts of it spoiled for you now is your moment you can pause and step out now and we won't be mad just come back and listen later are they gone yet Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. So this is a story of two sisters who were shaped by tragic events of their past. Mari decides to abandon the life she knew to shield herself from grief to create the life she always wanted. Everyone believes that she's dead. Kit, on the other hand, plays her cards a little closer and keeps others at a distance to protect herself from the pain of losing her sister, Mari. Well, Kit's world is turned upside down when she sees her sister on the news. She immediately embarks on a journey across the globe to Auckland. It's New Zealand, right? I'm correct on yes. that, right? Okay. I did a lot of Googling, and then I just immediately blanked. Uh, she goes to New Zealand, and along the way, she finds love for a handsome gent, the sister she thought she lost, and herself. Great book. So I think we should start about structurally kind of why I like this book a lot maybe it's because I'm lazy but (laughs) for the plot itself I like that the chapters are really short in length they're quick you can flip between the two protagonists more easily and so you don't end up getting lost in either Kit's story or world or Mari's story or world you they both feel accessible you like them both and you both you want to know what happens in both, both of their of journeys exactly it's not one or the other which i think it keeps things straight in the reader's mind and also i mean if it's a three-page chapter honestly i'll read it and i'll say oh that was only three pages i can read three more i can read three more and it's such a page turner you just you flip Yeah, I flipped so fast. I read through it so quickly. I read in chunks where I'll sit down for an hour and a half. And this actually made it easier for me because this was the very first book that I read at the beginning of quarantine, which kind of sparked my book fascination. It brought it all back. I've always been an avid reader. So this has been, this book really helped get me back into reading as a regular pastime, which was great. And I think for some of our listeners and it was a great first book for our podcast because if you're trying 
to read more, if you're trying to get into books, if you think you don't have time for books, this is a great book to read because, okay, you have three minutes. You use the bathroom at least three times a day. So there you go. You can read at least two chapters a day and you'll be done with the book before you know it. No, it, and the flashbacks was really the most interesting way to see how they got to that point. It fit the puzzle back together and it kind of was a, almost like a mystery. And each flashback gave you another glimpse into it, another glimpse into it, another glimpse into it, because you sit there and you're thinking, well, why is Mari so scarred? Why is Mari so battered versus Kit? Like Kit seems to have her life together and Mari talks about her past. And so letting you in little bits at a time, because I think if it came to me all at once, I don't think I could have handled it. I don't think I could have handled all of that at once. And to your point that it it's kind of a mystery, you think you understand why something is the way that it is, why it happened the way it happened. And then she gives you another flashback, a mm-hmm. little bit more insight. And then you realize what you thought isn't so. So it adds a bit more complexity as you keep building along the way. Yes. And then you're also working in the mystery of Sapphire House. You're working in the two sisters drama and then you pull in the mother and then you pull in Dylan and you're desperate. I was desperate to learn about Dylan and what happened to him. Mm -hmm. And I think you called me the day you were like, I think this is the chapter where you find out what happens to Dylan. And I took a breath and went, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) what, you know, it's coming. And that's the thing. Oh yeah. It's coming. And it's that pit in your stomach and you know it's coming. But, and I think to kind of circle back to what you said a minute ago about when you're reading and what you thought wasn't the case, like you think you have it figured out and then you don't. And I think that's also true when you think about people Mm -hmm. and when you hear about someone's trauma, you're trying to figure it out and put all the, the pieces of the puzzle together but you can never really know all of someone's story, all of someone's past. And I think that's a good lesson too. Just on the side, a little nugget of truth is just, you don't know someone's whole story. So you need to sit there and be patient with them and have grace to really listen. And I think too, in a sense, maybe you don't need to understand. Yeah. And it is that listening. It's that grace. And because Kit can be told everything that happened to Mari in her past, but she never lived that. She never experienced it. So she's not able to fully understand that, but she has to listen. What's really interesting in our interview with Barbara is she starts talking about how Kit came to her first, that the characters come to her and then she builds kind of their world around them. And she said it, there was a restaurant that her friend had given her a book about and Kit kind of came to her with this baggage attached. And then she got the one liner 15 years after my sister's death. I saw my, I saw her on the evening news. And then when we were mermaids was kind of born out of that. 
such a great opening line. It's incredible. I'm hooked. I mean, it really was that prod. And I think I downloaded a sample of the book because I can do that. And I read that line and then just immediately hit download whole book. I was like, this is mine now. I'm reading all of this. Um, And given those characters, they're so complex and there's so many layers to it. Were you drawn to a specific sister? I think Mari, honestly. Why? Honestly, I thought the whole plot line of Sapphire House and her redoing it and finding the history within that house, the who done it. Yeah. I, I and I guess it's almost like she she was trying to figure out the murder in that house. Like her sister was trying to find her. So I think it was kind of interesting that they were both mirroring each other, searching for something. And so I guess I liked that subplot. And it just kind of drew me to her as a character, just because I wanted to know what happened there as well, because you knew that they were going to find each other. It was yeah, a matter I mean, of be time. No and so I I guess I was drawn to that because I didn't have as much of a clue about what was going to happen there. Yeah. And I think just as a character, Kit annoyed me. She was so stubborn in her relationships and so scientific and I know that's kind of how even as a child how she centered herself and how she made sense of her world in a very chaotic time and place but you can't scientific method people you just can't and I think there was some naivety there naivete there on kids part then no emotional depth as a person no forgiveness it felt like she hadn't forgiven anyone until the very, very end. And that's part of her journey. But I think as a character, her stubbornness and her relationship with Javier and pushing him away and pushing him away and pushing him away. And the whole time I'm sitting there, why are you pushing this absolutely fantastic specimen of a man away, first mm-hmm. of all? And on the flip side, you have Mari, who has overcome so much trauma and still dealing with it but has managed to have a loving relationship with a husband has had children and moved on whereas kid experienced the trauma of losing her sister losing her sister and then just shut down with her cat which i can i mean i support that if you need to shut down at least adopt a a cat I guess my thought with Kit cutting people off, I don't think that's sustainable. But I also don't think Mari running away from her pain and trauma is sustainable either. Like, respect for setting up a new life and making the life you always wanted, you know, the one that you didn't have as a kid. But at the same time, Everybody grieves differently and everybody is entitled to their process of grief 
so long as you're not hurting other people in your grieving. I mean, I guess an argument can be made that they're both hurting other people and themselves. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's hurting, okay? Every- <laughs> it's really emotional. Well, and but, I think I'd... But I guess that... I guess that they're... Who's to say that I would not react that way to if I lost somebody like that? Yeah. Who, and I feel like this book is just such an intense case study on grief. Yeah. And trauma. Who uh, In so many ways. It covers so much. I know. That's heavy, heavy topics. And these characters, the fact that. The fact that they're still standing, like. Yeah. That's why I'm sitting there. I was like, just personally, if I went through all of that in such a short period of time, yeah, I'd probably change my name and run away. But like Barbara said, people are resilient. And that's one of the things she finds fascinating about people is that they are resilient. And what is that? That I know it's in Jurassic Park. Life will out. I know that's about like survival of the fittest, but. I think yeah, that can be made. Yeah, like life will out. Stuff happens, bad stuff, good stuff. And you just keep going because that is really the only option. You heard at the beginning of this episode, there's a blurb about a page for our website called decanterburytales.com slash help. So if you or someone you know is struggling or going through something, it's a short list compilation of data outlines. It has a link to the National Helpline database. It's free 1-800 numbers, text lines. So if you're needing help for any reason, you can go to our website. If you are in any situation where maybe you can't Google National Hotline Database, you can look up decanterburytales.com and go to the help tab. And there you can find some free resources to get the help that you need or the help for a loved one or friend or anyone. And asking for help is the bravest thing that you can do. So be brave. You deserve it. I really wanted to sing that song. I want to see you be brave. Everything in my power to like not ruin it, and then immediately was just. (laughs) I have to. I'm sorry, Sarah Borellis, that I just butchered your song. Can't really continue going on if we don't talk about the very dramatic way in which Mari dealt with her trauma is her complete Houdini act and new identity. Yep, faking her own death, running away, pretending she died. Which I'm sure everyone's wanted to do at one point and another for various reasons. Absolutely. Student loans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, even for like a week, just to like. Yeah, a chill. whole week of just, I mean, I cannot imagine. Well, especially what she was dealing with addiction, depression, all of that. I can't imagine the amount of relief and, but also fear is if she truly felt like the only way out was to just not be her anymore. The 
just heavy amount of pain and grief that she must have been experiencing. And I'm trying to imagine that all of that just disappearing in a day and being just free for the first time in your entire life. It had to be premeditated in a sense. I know that the book says that she saw her opportunity and she went. But that's a lot. That's a huge decision to make. I think as a split second. Yeah. And how do you know you're going to be in like a terrorist attack? You don't. So like you can't plan for that. She had to have like something in her mind that. Wouldn't it be amazing if I could get away? And she had that idea and then she was presented by the awful opportunity to do so. And she did. Yeah. That's a lot of results. So. I don't. As much as it sound, sounds nice, I don't think I, I could do that in that oh, position. Oh, no, I couldn't either. Because I'd, like, want to call someone. So it's interesting that Barbara thinks about where her characters are today. So that was a fun question to ask if she continued thinking about her characters at, after the book ends or if they just basically are dead to her. So, And she's written so many, so many books. I mean, I think she could easily, like, pick up these characters and write a sequel right now of where they are, what they've been doing, how life is, the ups and downs that continue, because you know that it's not just, it's a happy ending. It's, it ended on a, a high note, as Barbara likes to say, and it was or ending on so an up happily note. ever after. But at the same time, you know that that's not sustainable. So like they have some stuff For to sure. still work out. So I think that that would still be interesting, even if it was a second book to just revisit where they are and kind of how they've coped from here. I feel like there's a lot of therapy. And then there's Javier. Oh, Javier. What a I lovely just, man. He's just kind of that picturesque male figure that is just very confident in his place and where you could easily see a character that is self-conscious and wants to be involved in all the drama and is hurt that she's not spending more time with him and all that but he's so confident and is just go do what you need to do and I'll be here and just being that rock in a way that doesn't seem selfish or threatening to her I mean, and I think that as beautiful as it as the love story is between she and Javier, and then Mari and her husband as yeah. well. I think that painting the love story in that way allowed the reader to really focus on the main love story of this book, which is the two sisters and finding each other again. And you're not lost in her love affair with Javier you're like happy for you kid enjoy glad glad for you but let me focus on this sisterly bond of finding each other that familial love and how it conquers literally everything even everything 
that happened to them as kids, the running away and finding her on TV, you know, like that endures, that prevails, that's never ending. It may be hard for a minute, but I just think it was beautiful that that got the, the forefront. Yes. I mean, it could have easily been all about their romantic love, but I do enjoy the familial love bond. I think that that was a really sweet way to give them a love interest because we want them to have a love interest, but not make that the focal point of the story. I kind of love that that's happening more and more often. Like you see Anna and Elsa. Yeah. And Frozen. Yeah. I do enjoy that. I think it's a social conscious too. I think that as an entire Mm -hmm. society, I think we want to see different forms of love portrayed in our entertainment. I want to see absolutely something different, something new. I'm kind of, and I feel like that's true in this and a lot of books that I'm reading now too. It's not so much girl meets guy and it's happily ever after there's an up and a down, but at the end they skip off into the sunset together. That's not the only form of love. And I think there's been such a big push to show friendship as love, family, love, family bonds, and just, bringing that to the forefront because I also feel like if it's shown to you in all these different ways it can help you kind of dive into your personal life and strengthen what you have going on well sex (laughs) I'm just gonna I'm just not gonna say anything I'm gonna just live in that for a minute do we want to talk any about how adorable it is that Mari's daughter looks like Kit and is just like her. It's so stinking cute. And that's, I mean, that's what Barbara said too, that eventually her daughter looking like Kit was going to get yeah, her. One sure. way or the other. Wow. So stinking cute. And that's such a great surprise for Kit too. That moment where she says she looks just like me. Mm-hmm. It just breaks my heart. They're so cute. And, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if I was in Kit's shoes and I had this long-lost sister whose daughter looked just like me, even though she left me, part of my heart would just know that she never forgot me because she has to look at me at her daughter who reminds yeah. of me every day. I mean day. you've met you've met you my know, niece that Blair. I'm still she looks with just her. like me and I'm literally in love with her. Yes. Mostly because she's my twin. There's some <laughs> you'll both have ginormous eyes. eyes and an attitude to go with it. Uh I do not envy my brother at all with that. <laughs> Good luck, John. Uh <laughs> But wow. I mean, just really an incredible book. I'm so happy that we decided to choose it as our first month book. So. Samesies. Yeah. Thanks for going on this dive with us. Yes, we appreciate it. It was a, it was a good read, good way to start. I'm excited about what we have coming up, what we have else going on. Yeah. So if you haven't yet, make sure that you like subscribe follow us uh we are on a 
variety of streaming platforms. So please subscribe, leave us a rating. That's how we can share this podcast with more people, get more people reading and drinking wine with us. Like us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Decanterbury Pod. Email us at decanterburytales at gmail.com. I I completely zoned out on a spot on the wall. I'm so sorry. It was like a really entertaining spot, apparently. You can email us at decanterburypod at gmail.com. But also, if there's something that we didn't talk about about the book that you wanted to talk about, comment on our blog post, decanterburytales.com slash blog. Go to our episode notes and leave us a comment start a discussion that's what we are we are a book club just digital speaking of episode notes and (laughs) those are those are gonna be up (laughs) i'm sorry i need to move this i'm sorry i'm trying to read and talk at the same time and i'm like we have no there's not enough space in my brain We have notes so that we have a general outline and I can't speak and read at the same time anymore. Apparently, apparently I'm not a morning person or an evening person. I'm just a no time person. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So as you all know, I hope you know, if you don't know, now, you know, we partnered with Longboard Vineyards for this month when we believed in mermaids we have three wines there's a red table wine a sauvignon blanc and a rosé we have a bundle with them 88 dollars for those three also if you buy three or more bottles at longboardvineyards.com you'll get 15 percent off of those three or more use the code mermaids upon checking out and i was lucky enough to get to try the wines from Longboard Vineyards, and may I say that I enjoyed them greatly. So I did not because I, I can't get them yet, but I'm hoping to get my bundles soon. Uh, but I am going to read some of the tasting notes, and since Georgiana got to actually taste them, she'll give you kind of her personal. So I will dramatically read uh, what is in these, what's in the wine bundle so that you know what to expect, and so you can look forward to it when you order it. So first off, we have a Sauvignon Blanc. Ahem. Lip-smacking luscious with tropical peach and citrus flavors, tamed back by a touch of minerality. Minerally? Minerality? (laughs) Minerality? It's minerals. Mineralities? Okay. And marked by a great balance. Mouth-watering and mid-palate that leads to a very long white peach and Pacific grapefruit aftertaste. Plays really well with crab cakes and mussels. I will say that this one was so crisp and so delicious and so refreshing. I had little snacks out. I had some cheese and some charcuterie. And all I wanted to do is go out as the day was ending, the sun's still up, setting a little bit with a nice charcuterie board and my glass of wine and just decompress. That is the vibe of that oh, Sauvignon Blanc. so good. All right, moving on. We have the Point Break Red Blend. It's a red wine blend combining Malbec, Merlot, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, and 
You guys can download it on, the, the, on the notes. We <laughs> changed the proportion. <laughs> we changed the proportion with the vintage in order to maintain a consistent style. This wine is made to be approachable of medium weight and very layered core. We sometimes call it our what's for dinner wine because we feel we can have it every night of the week and twice on the weekend. And that would be my note with this wine. It was delish. I wish I had had a little bit more of a meal out because that is exactly where that needs to be. It could be with a steak. It could be with a pasta. Thanksgiving. It's a solid like, It's a have, really beautiful wine to and sit around the table, chat, sip on the wine, eat some delicious foods. Yes. Just that's that felt occasion-y nice. to me. Okay. So like a go-to. I, I wanted it to celebrate. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to try it. Yeah. And then last in the bottle, we have Water Girl Rosé, which for, to me, honestly, I look at the label and think of Mari. I just think it looks like Mari and her board. Anyway. When the carefree days of summer and spring roll in, we all need an ally to make the day even better. Syrah, Carignan, Grenache, and a smidging of Pinot Noir play together to layer rose petals and strawberry notes with just a tad of earthiness, all enveloped with a great minerality. Too many great food pairings to mention. This this rosé was not sweet, not dry, very nice, middle of the road. We actually had a girl that had just started drinking wine uh, during quarantine. Just hadn't gotten into wine, decided that she so wanted to try it. a good starting point. While we were all at home. And she has pretty much exclusively liked rosés as opposed to whites, as opposed to reds. And this one... She was like, this is good. I can drink this. And so as somebody that isn't a big wine drinker, this kind of seemed like a good welcome as, you know, Oded at Longboard had kind of said, it's a good intro yeah, and to that's wine. What they call it. It's and... called the intro pack. And even on their explanation, they say it's an easy way to get introduced to our laid back everyday wines. Think of it as learning to surf in warm, forgiving waters before you progress to higher levels of performance. Absolutely. And it's a great opportunity to see what you like. For sure. So. And then if there is a specific wine you want us to highlight or pair a book to, or if there's a book that you want us to read Please, please, please email us. We'll say it again to CanterburyPod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. You can also hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram, too. Whatever works for you, we will answer. And now the time has come. Drum roll. Our February book is... The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. And we have so much in store for you guys for February. We have already started pairing the wines. We've actually already interviewed Grady. So that is going to be Stop. up for you guys one of our episodes in February. But what are you waiting for? Go get reading. Download the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. It is an awesome read. I devoured it in three days, pun intended. 
See what yeah. you think. And I'm so excited to see what you guys think about it. And we can't wait to share what all we have in store for you guys. Yes. And please let us know your thoughts on this podcast. And we just can't wait to hear from you. And we can't wait for you to keep reading with us and yeah. sip and wine. Thank with you guys us. so much for all of your support. We are insanely happy to have you here. So bottoms up. Stay Bye. weird. Bye.